0: Okay, class. Today we're gonna start with the basics.
1: the New Life Lutheran podcast where a new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Pastor Eric and with me today is Pastor Ben. How are you doing, Pastor Ben? I'm doing great. Great. And also Tim is with us today. How's it going, Tim?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for asking.
1: Good, good. Today we are continuing our series Candid Conversations and this is a partner uh, podcast that goes along with our sermon series. So our sermon series is more conversation with Jesus and the idea is If you were to sit down with Jesus, what questions would you ask him? And our congregation submitted questions. And so we are teaching through some of those questions. And I decided for our podcast, we should take some of the other questions we're not going to be able to answer on Sunday and answer them here. So we're going to do this where they're sort of going to go together. They're going to be linked a little bit. uh, But we're going to explore these questions in a much more... Uh, candid and unscripted sense. So it's going to be a little bit longer form podcast, less editing, um, more conversational. So, um, so today, uh, this is the week after we had our third sermon in the More Conversation with Jesus. And this, the question that we talked about on Sunday was in a world so divided, how do we remain united and how do we find peace? We talked about the full armor of God and how we are to clothe ourselves in Jesus and um, and his righteousness and salvation and faith and those types of things, and um, then today uh, the question that we're going to kind of look at that's that's auxiliary to that is this question that's been on our list since last year I think, and it's why does Satan have some have some power over us even as believers? Um, so why does Satan still have power in the world? And especially why does he have power in believers' lives? And this kind of goes together with our sermon on Sunday, because we talked about very briefly um, the shield of faith, protecting the believer from the flaming arrows of the enemy. So we're going to talk about the enemy. We're going to talk about Satan today. We're going to have a little devil talk and uh, talk about what, why he still haunts us, even though Jesus has victory. So I'm going to start with Pastor Ben, and I'm just going to ask you the question, how does Jesus have victory and if Jesus has victory, then why does Satan, why is he still around? And why is he still haunting the earth? And, and why does he still have power in the earth?
2: To start with the idea of victory, um, you know, if you've been around church for a while, or been to Easter service, or, or really, if you've been to any Sunday service, hopefully you've heard the gospel message that the world is broken, you are broken, and, and Christ was brought into the world. He was promised from the beginning, as soon as the world was broken, brought into the world uh, to place his perfection on us, because... The bottom line is we are imperfect we all know that if we take any assessment of ourselves whatsoever and if we were to take our imperfection into god's perfect place which we call heaven of course uh, being in perfect relationship with god would be heaven and so if we go into that perfect place and bring our imperfection that place ceases being perfect and so jesus christ comes into the world with his perfection dies on the cross as the ultimate and final sacrifice for our sins and we're told that we place our trust in Him and receive what He offers us, that we're brought into relationship with God, the Heavenly Father. His perfection is placed upon us, and therefore we are allowed into the place that we're all hoping to go, at least I would imagine, which would be heaven. And so that's, that is that is the final victory. And uh, it's probably a story that you're very familiar with, a piece of history that you're very familiar with. But today, a lot of our, our conversation is, not about the end, but about the present.
1: Well, that's a good that's a good starting point because although we do know that Jesus has victory now, uh, God doesn't seem God doesn't promise it until the completion of all things, till He creates the new heaven and the new earth, where there is no more sin. So the way that I like to think about it is, uh, is almost it's it's like when someone wins a war, like when a nation wins a war they may have defeated the other country or the other nation, but there's always still some sort of remnant that's still fighting later. And so that's kind of what it's like now is that Jesus has won the victory, but there's still this remnant left. Satan and his enemies and and his demons are still operating in the world, but they're just these little skirmishes until they can all be cleaned up. Um, so we still have that haunting us um, haunting us today tim, what are you what are you thinking about this as you're you're listening to Pastor Ben?
0: Yeah, so of course we have victory uh, in Christ, which he fulfilled that on the cross for us. But yes, we do still have those remnants of uh, Satan. and we, like we look at what sort of power, satan has over us when so when we read through job we know that satan can cause suffering from Mm -hmm. us when we uh look at matthew and we look at jesus on the uh, and when satan was tempting jesus we know that satan has the power to tempt us and so uh and so it's it's just a very interesting uh topic to think about like what exactly Satan has the power to do over us,
1: yeah, and I think that I think that's a good point in Jesus's own life. The most obvious example would be when he's in the desert mm-hmm. and the the enemy comes to him and begins kind of putting little questions into Jesus's mind and in one way, that's a really good example of what the enemy does to us today. I know that when we when we think about the devil, when we think about um demons, especially leading up into, as we're going into October now, uh, sometimes we think of the devil as like the little goat legged horned red man with the poker. That's just like waiting to eternally torment us. Uh, but that's actually not what the enemy, that's not what the devil is. Uh, in, in hell, the devil is being punished as well. Like that, like he's not the one who does the punishing. Um, he is the one being punished in hell. And so what he's trying to do now, uh, one way that I've heard it is using that phrase that uh, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. So he's just trying to make as many people fail and as many people believe his lies as he can while he's still around because he's no- he knows he's defeated and he knows that God has the power. And now he's just trying to bring as many people down with him
2: because misery loves company. And you talked about that idea of a battle. I thought that was a, a pretty good analogy that even if you've won the battle or maybe even signed some accord, uh, there's still that remnant that's fighting. And and really, they're fighting for probably two reasons. I think Satan is fighting for two reasons. One, I think it is that idea of, I'm going to drag down as many people into, into the pit with me as possible. And that was a good aside, by the way, because a lot of times we think of Satan, or we think of hell as Satan's domain. Yeah where he's ruling and he's poking and he's prodding, he's doing the tormenting. But scripture is very clear that that hell was created for Satan yeah, and, right. and his demons, which means it the intent was never for humans right. to have to reside there. That's just a natural result of, of whose side they're taking in this cosmic battle. You know, that we're told, Jesus says, their father is the devil. Mm-hmm. Well, the alternative is your father is God in heaven. And depending on which side of that battle, that's the home you will live in. And uh, so anyways, so so we see that as, as a reality. But as we think about this idea of a battle, I do think there's that element of him wanting to drag as many people with him. But I also think there's that element of he hasn't quite given up hope yet. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it's like one of those things, like intellectually, you know something, but emotionally, you haven't settled there yet. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like there's that remnant of hope uh, now, of course, this is me reading into the situation, but I feel like it's still there. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts in the garden where he takes down Adam and Eve. I think that was more than a move of just like, I'm gonna drag these people down with me or as many people or their offspring with me. But like, I can, if I can get enough people on my side or do enough damage mm-hmm. that that maybe, maybe I'll win or maybe there'll be some sort of different outcome. We work all the way through the scripture and we see this over and over again. Of course, he tries to take down Jesus in the temptation, which you guys already referred to, and then, of course, he ends up swaying the people, influencing the people to turn on Jesus, a person they were just celebrating just moments before, and now they're shouting instead of, Hosanna, crucify him, and he ends up killing him, and, and he's got to feel at that point in time, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I have completed the ultimate coup, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the turning point, And of course, then Jesus comes back and that must've been a pretty horrible day for him uh, <laughs> to have to see the very, his very victory flipped on its head and becoming the, the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. But I, I, I truly feel like there's that intellectual component that he probably knows he's done and he's defeated, but there's still that remnant of hope. Like if I keep pushing and if I keep doing what I have to do, maybe, maybe, maybe the outcome will be different. This place designed for me, uh, won't be my final, you know, place to rest, mm-hmm. and, and of course, now we're we're really, we're, yeah. yeah. There's some speculation built into it, but but I kind of I kind of feel that's probably where it is. There's that duality of I'm gonna bring you down to the pit with me, and if I can do enough damage, maybe the pit won't be my home. So I think there's that that ongoing battle.
0: So, what exactly, like, what power does Satan have over us? I mm-hmm. think that's a good. Mm -hmm. question that easily ties into this and actually is kind of a subplot of this of this question yeah yeah
1: Yeah, so you know as i was thinking about this question um today i was brought immediately to jesus's experience of the desert when he's tempted by the by the devil Mm -hmm. and also adam and eve's experience when they are tempted by the snake who, who we've we assume that's the devil. I mean, that's a safe assumption. Biblical authors also kind of place that interpretation on that story. So we can safely assume that the snake is the Satan. Um, And again, it's the Satan that uh, Jesus interacts with in the desert. I was immediately taken to those two places. And in both of those situations, the power that the enemy has is to be an alternative voice. To God's voice that is speaking truth and peace and affirmation onto Adam and Eve and to Jesus. So Jesus is tempted right after he's baptized and he hears, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately the enemy comes in and begins questioning God's voice. And so that's actually a, a narrative plot in the Old Testament is which voice are you going to listen to? In fact, kind of the central, one of the central prayers or one of the central uh, statements of faith in the Old Testament is the Shema, hear, O Israel, listen, listen up, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So kind of central to the Old Testament is this idea of listening and who are you listening to? And that's woven all throughout the Old Testament. And then immediately Jesus is confronted with listening to another voice. And so I think probably the primary thing that Satan does to us now, especially as believers, is he is he whispers those lies into our ears. That uh, I know in my own life, it's things like, "Do I even believe that this is true?" Mm-hmm. Or it's it can be even as um, as simple as uh, being distracted by other things, distracted by. The kind of like just desires, worldly desires of, of uh, being busy and making sure that I'm successful and um, uh, kind of selfish things of like, watching, watching shows and those kind of things that kind of keep me distracted. And pretty soon I find myself not listening to God, not listening to the scriptures and taking in the scriptures. I think that's kind of the the enemy's primary, mode of operation now is to lie to us about. God and to make us question what, um, what God has told us.
2: Yeah. When you think about an enemy, the enemy always has the, the opposite goals that you have in mind. That's what makes them your enemy, right? If, if, uh, they want to take over your land, you want to stop them from taking over your land. And so when we look at Christ's life, we see really two basic ideas. It's who do you say that I am? And then we hear Peter's response that you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then we also see this invitation to come follow me, and so that's Christ, right? That's Christ. What Christ offers us, and Satan's is the alternative. Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, you know, he it's he wants to be more, more covert. I believe that's actually advantageous to him, especially yeah. in America. So yes, it's not America, who do you I'm say America. that I am, but but maybe who do you think that you are? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, are you the god of your own life? Because. For Christ, we're saying, you are Lord, right? You are my boss, you are my king. Uh, so the alternative is probably, I I am the king, I am the Lord, I am the master of my destiny, which ultimately makes Satan the master of my destiny. Right. And then the come follow me is, either we follow Christ's way or we follow our own way, which because of our sinful nature is, tends to be Satan way. So that's the cosmic battle of follow me or follow me. Follow me or follow me. Follow Jesus or follow the enemy, follow the Satan. And so we see that right away. There's really three instances that creep into my mind, and we've already referenced a few of them, but you have the garden, Satan sneaks in, and follow me, right? Mm-hmm. If you follow if you follow God, this is what he's gonna do. He's gonna limit your understanding. You're not gonna know these things. So you should do this. Now, it's not a very clear, like, hey, come follow me, but you can see what he's doing there, yeah. right? In essence, you will be following him because you're going to be following the sinful pattern, which is his pattern. Mm-hmm. Then you go into to Job, and we see our next uh, real-life confrontation. Such a interesting section yeah. of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To me personally, a very irritating section of Scripture because <laughs> Job's friends are just... They're the worst. They're horrible. Um, they do sp- speak truth, but it's like one of those things where there's some truth mixed in with a whole bunch of... Uh, misapplication, and uh, that's a lot of their theirs, and so it's hard to read. It's just frustrating, and, and you kind of put yourself in Job's spot, and you're thinking, these are the people that I have to deal with. I have all these afflictions, and now I have these imbeciles mm-hmm. like speaking into my life mm-hmm. and accusing me of these things that I'm not doing. So we see this interaction, though, where Satan comes to God, and it's like, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna basically try to get Job to go in my direction and not go in your direction. So once again, we see the same thing, right? It's mm-hmm. Uh, He will not follow you if you don't give him all this money. If you take his family away, then he's going to follow me. And then of course we see with Jesus, we see God, the son in flesh Emmanuel. And what's the temptation? Come follow me, bow down to me. And so that's the cosmic battle. And so why does Satan have so much power over us? I I don't know if he has so much power over us. I don't know if I'd say it that way. Mm But he's just living out his role, which is, come follow me. Follow Jesus, No, follow me. Uh, We tend to internalize it as our way or our choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is, we know, as Pastor Eric spoke on Sunday, that this battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against all all of the things behind the scenes, right? The spiritual forces. And so that's that's the game. That's the game that's happening, Mm -hmm. is... Satan isn't going to come out like the exorcist and spin his head around and right. try to freak you out. No, it's going to be lost, very subtle. Like Once again, I say, I say this as an American, because if you talk to missionaries, you will know that that's not always the way that it's playing out in different areas, where maybe it's more strategic for Satan to uh, function in different ways. But at least in my experience, uh, Satan has been the father of lies and the father of of covert strategy trying to get me to go in the direction that he would have to destroy my life and, and hopefully, you know, his mind, hopefully destroy my relationship with my savior. So I'm following him and not following Jesus. And so I I think that's where the power comes in. It's that cosmic battle for your soul, for my soul, for my, for my servitude, whether I realize it or not, am I going to follow Jesus or I'm going to follow Satan And that's the game at play and that's the eternal game at play. Uh, what are his motivations? I don't know. He's trying to drag more people down with him, Maybe. Does he want the popularity of having a bunch of followers? Maybe. Uh, does he think he can win if he gets enough people going his direction? Who knows? Mm. Right. Maybe, uh, someday we can ask God what his motivations or what Satan's motivations are. And hopefully we don't aren't able to ask Satan what his motivations (laughs) were. It's kind of the end goal. So, I don't know. That's, for me, it's, it's that simple of, mm-hmm. of come follow me or come follow me, and, and that's been my whole life. Even as a follower of Christ, as a, as a young man, a young boy, till now, you know, every day, isn't that, isn't that what I'm waking up to? Am I going to follow Christ's way today, or am I going to follow the alternative? So if Christ's way is this way and, and the alternative is that way, well, we know who's in charge of it that way, and uh, it will only bring what we're told it's going to bring, which is death and destruction, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I think that's really where the power of Satan really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't view it as like Satan controlling me mm. necessarily. Right. It, it's just that ongoing, ongoing battle. And yeah. and as far as the controlling element and the possession and stuff like that, that's. Uh, Probably a different conversation but mm-hmm. but for the typical experience of what we're talking about, why do I feel like I struggle? why do these addictions get the best of me? why does it seem like Satan is is leading the way? Well it's our natural sinful nature and it's uh, our opportunities where we're choosing to follow mm-hmm. the other way versus mm-hmm. God's way
0: mm-hmm. And like really this question, the way it seems is like that Satan has power, over us, but in reality, it's just what he's armed with. Mm. And it's not really necessarily that he has power. It's just he's armed with deceitfulness. He's armed with, hey, uh, I can literally take these things away from you. I can make your life miserable, as we have talked about and we've seen in Job. He, he's armed uh, with all these things. And for me, I, I, I'm just thinking, okay, so Satan is armed with, uh, deceitfulness he's armed with spirits as we've kind of talked about mm-hmm. but we don't really want to get into that just yet uh and so like for me satan is the author of evil right. you know like he is the, he is the ultimate deceiver and uh i just feel as we as believers he's going to attack us right Absolutely. and satan comes after the godly we mm-hmm. actually see this uh in many parts of matthew and of course of Job, and. We see this like, really all throughout the New Testament. He, he yeah. went after Jesus. He went after yeah. God himself in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if he's going to attack those people and, and, and if he's going to go after God himself, of course he's going to come after us. Yeah. And yes, it can feel overwhelming. Yes, it can feel as if we um, are in a losing battle. But we have to remember that Christ gives us hope. Yeah. And Christ has given us victory. Uh, although it doesn't it, it, it's it certainly doesn't feel like that. It, it it can feel like hard, but again, that's why we have to be prayed up, we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We have to be um constantly in a, in and really in a battle mindset. And that's why I love the armor of God to tie into the sermon. Uh, because it the illustration that you gave during the sermon was really good. Um and by the way, I personally personally felt attacked, uh during some of your parts of your sermon, but that's just <laughs> that's just conviction. That's neither here nor there. But I did feel personally attacked, um, and so no. But the illustration you give, the, the, or the illustration you gave, was uh, when you're on uh, defense, you have something mm-hmm. that the opposition wants to mm-hmm. take from you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so obviously we have something that Satan wants and that's relationship with Jesus. Right. Because another thing that we see is that Satan cannot be in the presence of God. Right. And so uh, Satan obviously wants to steal, kill and destroy. And he wants to take that um, mm-hmm. plunder, that relationship that we have with God from us. And so that's why he's constantly on the offense. If he's, yeah. he's constantly attacking and constantly moving forward in his lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was just that was a really good, uh, yeah. <laughs> really good illustration you gave. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that this is another thing that we've adopted some of the medieval imagery about the devil and about Satan and about his demons that isn't even really biblical. It's just kind of been extrapolated from uh, some biblical text and then added all this imagery. And there's been, you know, Dante's Inferno and those types of things have been added on to scripture. You know, so the image of the devil as this kind of uh, super powerful uh, demonic creature that has under his rule hordes of these nasty, evil, orcish demons. You know, that's not even really the picture we get in scripture. In Scripture, uh, the devil, the the word Satan is actually a title. It's the the Satan is how it's is how it's read in the Old Testament. It's not a name; it's a title that simply means the the opposition, the opposer, the one that is working against something. And so, the the Satan is actually, you know, like you guys have both said. All he is simply doing is trying to do the opposite of whatever God is doing. And God is trying to give life, and he's trying to reconcile people back to himself and to each other, and he's trying to give eternal life to people. And so the, the Satan, the enemy, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal that eternal life and that peace and that reconciliation. He wants to mm-hmm. kill us. He wants us to not have life and he wants to destroy where God gives life and builds new things the enemy is trying to destroy and really pervert everything that is good that God is doing and uh all of the the kind of demonic work that we see in the new testament is less organized than we might than maybe we think of the enemy and his demons uh because it really is almost like well Ben this may you may not like this cuz you you have several of these dogs but really there it's more like this They're more like this herd of really nasty little like chihuahuas. You know what I mean? There's like really not a lot of organization and they're really just loud ankle biters that keep bothering us, especially as believers. They don't actually have the power. They're just this constant presence that is always trying to draw us away. And when we start letting these ideas and these images that they keep bringing to us, all these lies they keep bringing to us, when we let them draw them away from, draw us away from God. Um, that's how they're stealing. They're actually stealing our joy and stealing our peace and stealing our life because we're more focused on these other things that they keep bringing up than on God who is giving us and is a life giver and giving us peace. Um, so, you know, really, I think sometimes we there are some people that underestimate the devil's work and there are some people that overestimate the devil's work, but really in the new Testament, the demons, all the demonic possession and that kind of stuff, it seems kind of random. And it it is, it's like they're, they're like these unclean spirits that are just out wreaking havoc in the world. And as Jesus walks as a new kind of person, he walks around and he heals and he gives forgiveness of sins. And he is able to free people from all the chaos and havoc that these unclean spirits, these demons, are unleashing into the world. Um, so, in one sense, it's not a battle of good versus evil; it's God as the victor, and then it's just this horde of super nasty chihuahuas trying to bite people's ankles until they focus on the chihuahuas instead of on God.
0: Yeah. So obviously, we've talked enough about like what power Satan has. Mm. So, what are some of those lies, or mm. or what are those? What are some of the things that we think Satan has? power over us or we think Satan attacks us in this way, but really that's actually not biblical. What are some ways do you think? Uh, Okay. So I know for my students, I remember it was just last week I prayed uh, and, you know, it was just real simple. It was kind of almost an after I was like, all right. And then God, please bind Satan from these walls. And so when I say that, I remember one of my students straight up said, wait a second, Satan can be here. Mm. And, (laughs) and so yeah when when i uh, uh, when he said that i was like yes he goes no really and it was and and it was he was so dumbfounded by that and so the thing is satan is limited Mm -hmm. in where and what he knows and where he can go Mm -hmm. and the things that he can do and i know a lot of believers, um, some, as believers, sometimes we, we do give Satan too much credit. And, um, so I, 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 I said before, Satan can't be in the presence of right. God right. point blank period. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, it's just a lot of times we just give him way too much credit.
1: You know, one thing that I think, so there's a difference between just having bad luck and just normal run of the mill, crappy things that happen to us as people and like demonic work and Satan's work in our lives. Um, so not everything that not everything bad that happens to us is the enemy. Not everything that bad that happens to us is the, the devil working in us. Um, and I think that there are some Christians who just see every sickness every broken down car, every, it's like, it's almost like...
0: Every time I stub my toe, toe that's, that's the mm, enemy, or step on you know? a Lego,
1: that is Satan himself. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's the boogeyman that's just causing all these bad things in our lives. And and I do think that the enemy can do those things. Um, but ultimately, like, that's not even... Those aren't even the things we really need to watch out for. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not where the most destructive things that the enemy can do does like that. Like those aren't the most destructive things that he can do. The most destructive things are the lies that he tells us. So I guess that would be one thing that I would, I kind of resist is when people talk about Satan being in all these situations where bad things are happening, which I think he can cause some of those things, but I don't think that's always him. And I actually don't think that's his primary motive Mm -hmm.
2: operating in the world. You said something a second ago about Dante's Inferno, and that was actually one of the most influential books on our understanding of Satan yeah. and hell and, and everything in between, so a lot of our pop culture is built off of that. Yeah. A, a lot of people's theology yes. is is based off of that, yeah. and and not a lot of scripture backs those things. So it's a lot of guesswork and, and yeah. things like that. Uh, but we think about Satan. I, I think it is important to understand that, that Satan is is a formidable foe. Right. Like like that's that's no doubt. I mean. Obviously, we see through scripture the times the times and it doesn't happen a lot, but the times when he's directly referenced, uh, we get that impression that he is the father of lies mm-hmm. uh, that's that's no joke of a title. Uh, we see that he had uh, God gave him incredible gifts, which was part of his downfall is that that pride that took him down of look look how special I am so I, I think we do need to be careful of not making him so impish mm-hmm. that that he is kind of like what you said before—that little kind of thing that pokes you in your ear or sits right, on your shoulder. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's some magnitude sure, to yeah. Satan, and so I think that's a value. Uh, but also, we also need to understand that as believers, even though if we were on a one-on-one battle with Satan, uh, we're not—we're not winning the day. Right. The reason we win the day is because it's like playing basketball against the best basketball player in Sterling and you're going to lose, mm-hmm. uh, I think
1: save all time. And I was going to say it. That is Michael Jordan, by the way. <laughs>
2: uh, but no, yeah. But so with that rise. same reference forward. point, <laughs> so you, you know, we're playing basketball and like, okay, well I'm not, I, I can't win. I'm not going to win. But if you're playing two on two and Jordan shows up, ah, yes, you know, the greatest of all time. Yeah. That, that changes everything and you're going to win. And, and that's the conversation. <laughs> That's the conversation is yeah. we have Jesus right. and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that changes the conversation is that we have the potentiality to win. Right. Uh, why could God allow Satan to unleash all of this havoc or even be a part of the havoc that happened to Job? Uh, is because that was part of the testing and we will be tested in our lives. And Satan will try to win the day and pull us in that direction. And come, follow me. Don't follow him. Don't follow Jesus. Follow me. And, and and that's that's part of it. Is it's that ongoing struggle and battle until the final final victory. But along the way, we do have we do have victory because God has given us this amazing gift of the Holy right. Spirit that indwells us, always there, um, helping us. If, if God, you know, brings us to those those spots, we can use that power and lean into that power. An escape, it won't always be perfect, but we do have that available, which probably leads us into maybe one question that our listeners are probably thinking is, you know, what do we, what about demon possession? Mm-hmm. And uh, so obviously, once again, uh, a lot of times when we think of demon possession, our default is not New Testament. Our default right. is- The exorcist. Exorcist, one, two, three, four, yeah. Amityville Horror, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, the list list goes on, right? Uh, people losing control of their body. And so we see that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We see things very much like that. Yep. Not spinning heads, but we see some pretty odd things. Yeah. Where pretty people pretty intense physical, have, physical phenomena. Yeah, yeah, have some ability to apparently be deceptive enough uh, to pretend to see the future, at least, mm-hmm. it seems. Uh, people who are hyper-strong, yeah. uh, people who don't feel pain, all sorts of of odd things like that. And and so we see that in scripture, and and there's nothing in scripture that says, okay, after 67 A.D. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this stopped. Yeah. Um, my my take on it is just personally that in America, like I've kind of referenced before, it's not a win for Satan to like possess people and show mm-hmm. his reality because if he's real, then Jesus must be real, and it's probably better for him in America to pretend none of that stuff is real and just have people kind of right become the God of themselves, which ultimately puts Satan on their throne. But, but those things are real. So I think one of the questions that are naturally built into that is, do I have to be scared Mm -hmm. of, of more than just like oppression or challenge or the natural gravity of life and the sinful nature or, or things like that? Do I have to be careful of possession as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. And I have an answer, but I want to hear you guys' first and then I'll correct you after yours. No. <laughs> no, they'll give you a great response. I probably won't have to do yeah. anything, but uh go ahead. What do you guys how would you, how would you respond to somebody if they're like, I'm a believer and I'm just really concerned yeah. about more than just temptation right. and, and more than just oppression, which is Satan, you know, kind of doing stuff to us. Right. Yeah. Uh but You're
0: talking full like c- on possession. Full on possession.
2: Control. Like he takes control, uh, maybe in a exorcist type fashion, or maybe just like, right. man, I, there's no win. i I've lost the game. Right. Uh, even though I, I have Jesus, I have the Holy spirit. I mean, what would you say to somebody yeah. with those reservations and those fears?
0: If you have the Holy spirit in your heart, nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's no, there like, there's no place in your heart for right. that. Uh, if you are a follower of Christ now, if you're not a follower of Christ, then yeah, that is like, that could be, and if Christ hasn't written, um, his seal upon your heart and you don't have the Holy Spirit, then okay. Um, but no, as, as believers, we are protected.
1: Yeah. Scripture, scripture tells us that, that if the Holy Spirit is in us, evil spirits cannot enter into us. So as a believer, you do not need to have fear of possession. That is not something that you need to be afraid of. Now it is spooky, right? Because it does happen. And there's really only one time in my own experience that an individual might have been possessed. Uh, but in my own experience, which, which includes some kind of spooky, ooky, spooky kinds of things. Um, certainly like horrific visuals that people were experiencing kind of audio visual. Um, I don't know if you'd call them visions or if they were actual like apparitions. Um, but I have I have worked with people and pastored people who were experiencing that kind of oppression. Um, but that's very small, per, a very small percentage. So I would say, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do not need to fear being possessed because there's just the just like Tim said, there's simply no room. Jesus says it Himself that if you have the Holy Spirit, they you cannot be possessed in that way. I think a much more I would just reiterate the much a a much more dangerous, the much more dangerous thing the enemy can do to a believer is to lead you is to lead you astray with lies, is to distract you with lies. That's the much more dangerous thing that he does. Um, So I would encourage people to maybe take that more seriously, his his lies Mm -hmm. and his distraction more seriously than the kind of like spooky Halloween
2: style possession or those types of things yeah there's a Jesus used this analogy about uh, talking about possession how someone's possessed they they clean out the resident yeah essentially the the demon or Satan or whatever the scenario is right there's some sort of possession uh but and they clean it they clean up the room right think think of it like mm-hmm. a hotel room they clean up the room, but what they don't do is they don't have a new resident yeah. And so it actually it says it becomes worse the second time than the first time because the old party comes back in and brings some buddies. And so we get this picture through Christ's words that, the, that our, our body, our soul, is really a, a, a one-room apartment, one-room hotel room. And as believers, uh, there's no vacancy sign open, right? The Holy That's Spirit right. is living within us. And so that's that's kind of the reality. Now, what that doesn't mean is other people are walk around and everyone either possessed by the Holy Spirit or possessed <laughs> yeah. by Satan. That's not that's not the conversation, right. but we we do get a pretty clear picture that we cannot be possessed because our our vacancy sign is off, and the Holy Spirit is living within us and and no one's getting into that room <laughs> unless uh, the Holy Spirit is not existing mm-hmm. is not existing there. So I don't think we have to have that fear. Yeah. Uh, there is. You know, there are oppressive things, and we see that in yeah, Job, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. What does God allow? He allows some pretty yeah. horrible things that I never want to experience. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so so we do see like oppression and things like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but I think those are things that that we can go to God and trust God and say, God, man, this is what I feel like. Right. It feels like there's a weight on my shoulders. I don't understand. I have the struggle, and we go we go to God. We surround ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And and we serve each other and care for each other in our time of needs, whatever right. whatever that is, whether it's just natural consequences of living in a sinful world, or even if it's something outside of those realms, right? Something that's a, a direct oppression or an attack um, from from the enemy and his minions.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's what really where I, where I wanted to land today was on this idea that every believer, their mind and their heart is still a battleground, like like we have victory in Christ and Jesus is victorious, but we as flawed humans, we can still be deceived by the enemy. Uh, And so tension and struggle is the norm for the Christian. Like we will until the day we die struggle with unfaithfulness and the way to counteract the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil and the flaming arrows is with the armor of God. And specifically, and most, most strongly the scriptures and prayer, those are kind of the ways that we equip ourselves with the armor of God, the way that we we have salvation on our heads and righteousness on our chest and truth around our middle and the shield of faith and the shoes of the proclamation of the gospel, the way that we have those things is by continuing to listen to God through scripture and through prayer. Um, and in fact, as I was thinking about this today, um, Psalm 119 came into came to my mind, and it's from uh, the book of Psalms. It's the longest uh, single chapter in the Bible. In fact, it's longer than um, some whole books of the Bible. And verse, the whole thing is this great kind of cyclical conversation that David's, this prayer that David's having. Um, he's praying to God, he's talking to God, and it's this like rotation of faithfulness and joy and struggle. And it's a great example of how we, we live as Christians, because that's what it feels like It almost feels like this revolving door where we're cycling through, um, this and and we are growing over time. Um, but this is what, uh, this is what Psalm 119 verse 67 specifically, um, says, and I think it's a good encapsulation of what the Christian life is like. Uh, David says, before I suffered, I took the wrong way, but now I do what you say. So David here is saying, I went the wrong way and I suffered and because I suffered I was actually able to return back to the word of God and fall in love with it again. And so our suffering what the the enemy lying to us and oppressing us should ought to lead us back to God. And in that in those situations Suffering is actually good for us. It actually becomes a positive thing because it leads us back to more a more robust trust in what God has done for us. And Paul talks about that in Romans when he talks about being shipwrecked and all these horrible things. and he says at one point they despaired for their life. like they actually were, he said they they wanted their life to end. Um, but that ultimately led them to greater joy in spreading the gospel because they trusted in God and what He was doing um so the christian us as believers will experience the flaming arrows of the enemy we will experience the the schemes of the satan but those things are not uh, those things will ultimately become a positive for us if we are returning letting those things make letting those things return us to scripture and to prayer rather than trusting in ourselves listening to our own voice Trying to figure things out our own way. Um, ultimately, those things can be good for us because they are—they pu- are bringing us into closer relationship with God. Amen. Any other thoughts about Satan? By the way, here's a question for you, since we are entering into Halloween.
0: No, I don't celebrate Halloween. No, is that, <laughs> you liar. <laughs> I don't. Oh, you don't? I really? have no, I have never, my parents never, ever let me really? celebrate Really?
1: Why? I mean, was it a, it was like, cause it's a pagan thing? Was that the...
0: Ah, uh, you know, I should probably ask the reverend, but no, I think it was just cause... Reverend,
1: do you call your father... The Reverend? Your no, dad.
0: I don't. I don't. But when I refer to him, okay. <laughs> I refer to him as the Reverend. Um, No, I I don't know. I should probably ask why. But I that's why I've never really gotten into the whole Halloween thing. I don't ever give out candy or oh really any of that stuff. So
2: that's just because he's a Scrooge. He's Are cheap. you a Scrooge?
1: Bah humbug.
0: Well, I mean, no. I love Christmas, but um I don't like
2: Christmas music.
0: Okay.
2: Um, but no, I'm just... You guys don't like Christmas oh, then. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into the whole... Halloween uh, thing? Halloween, no. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And if you bought yeah. kids candy, he wouldn't be able to afford his cleaning ladies.
1: That's right. That's true. We have a neighbor who is really, really into Halloween and, in fact, has a Pennywise the Clown from it in their window year-round, like an actual full-size thing in their window year-round. And so, this last week, they put up all of their Halloween decorations, and it's intense. I mean, they... They go all out. But <laughs> how about, how about you, Ben? I celebrate is, is, All Hallows' Eve. Is, is Halloween a, a satanic pagan holiday, or what's the what's the story there?
2: All Hallows' Eve is a Christian holiday. Uh, some of the costume origin stems from Christians knowing they have power over Satan, yeah. thus making him uh, essentially something to be mocked and ridiculed. And so they would dress up. Originally, they would dress up in costumes to uh, mock Satan's lack of power over their lives because of the power of Jesus Christ. So, obviously, as time has gone on, we've kind of created as the Halloween that we know. But uh, it's very important to know your history yeah. because there is uh, some origins. A lot of things that we do actually have a lot of Christian undertones. Mm-hmm. And so, what I like to do, just like the early Christians did, I don't know if this is going in there. <laughs> I don't know if there's any value for yeah, talking. Yeah, this will, yeah. Um, this all stay in. Okay. So the Christians, early Christians, they were about redeeming the culture and redeeming the holidays. And so that's why you guys might have some people say, well, Christmas, that's winter solstice. It's not, you know, Christians. Mm -hmm. we don't want to celebrate Christmas because, you know, that has pagan origins. Well, it's just like anything. You could look at any day of the year, and we see it on Facebook all the time. Every day has some sort of stupid attachment, like, hey three days ago was daughter's day. I'm like, what daughter's day today is coffee day. And yesterday was like my son's day or something. Uh, anyways, the whole culture has these things, these celebrations. So what Christians did is they actually put a rival holiday in its place and then overcame those holidays, which makes these holidays even cooler because Christmas, uh, when's the last time you guys have celebrated winter solstice? You haven't, uh, the whole world celebrates Christmas mm-hmm. because Christianity threw a rival holiday and overpowered these pagan holidays. And uh, so if you go back to a lot of these origins, even Santa Claus, Cinder Claus is the transliteration. It's about St. Nick. And a lot of those things like the stockings is about St. Nick who would care for uh, orphans and, and widows and things like that. And they would put their boots outside, and he'd put money in their boots to help provide for their their mm-hmm. well being. So there's all this this cool stuff. If you know your history, you can actually celebrate a lot of these holidays without you know. uh, kind of the limited knowledge that we have. Where Halloween is bad because ghosts and goblins, uh, and you can actually begin to see some of those things and redeem them. Right. You know, share with your friends why why those things are okay, and oh. with your especially with your kids so the next generation will know but it, you know obviously when it comes to halloween it's kind of up to your your own prerogative uh tim like just like you i grew up in a family that was not very pro halloween yeah but i'm
0: also like just the origins i'm not trying to give satan the time of day you know <laughs> like i am personally i don't want to do that i'm not trying mm. to mock satan like what like okay so back to the the basketball the 2 on 2 I mean, I'm literally not doing anything. It's all, you know, Jordan or it's all well, it's, excuse me, it's all LeBron. Oh, get out of here. Get and, out of here. And so like why would Wait, I mock Satan's on your team in this scenario? No, <laughs> I don't know team. if I get this metaphor. No, 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 no. no, no. The, I
1: think I think in this metaphor Satan would be um Harden. I think that's
0: On the No, but on the opposition Cheating his
1: way into
2: three pointers The
0: the the opposition um and, you know, like just using the basketball reference like That's like me talking trash when I'm literally not doing a thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, why am I going to do that? I I just, I, that, that doesn't appeal to me still.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I, I'm not a huge Halloween guy either. I, I think it's fun. People can have fun. It's in, you know, just like you mentioned, Ben, it's in our tradition, especially specifically as Lutherans. Martin Luther himself said that the devil hates nothing more than to be laughed at. And so Martin Luther made jokes all the time, you know, mm. like fart jokes and poop jokes about Satan all the time. And we, there's going to be a podcast series coming out at some point in the future of Martin Luther, uh, his life and history. And you guys are going to hear some of Martin Luther's just stupid jokes. Some of them are bad.
2: The original youth director.
1: Yeah, seriously, the they're bad youth director jokes. That's right. <laughs> but uh, so it's even part of our history to laugh at, laugh at the devil. So i'm I'm fine with it. It's not something my family. We don't put up decorations or anything like that, but yeah,
2: for for me, saying? I you know, I, as somebody who has found the richness of history and tradition within the Lutheran Church after growing up in a very limited scope of the Christian Church, uh, which is why I was leaning in some of those directions growing up of not doing Halloween and being very cautious about those things. Uh, I love to redeem the history and know the history. And mm-hmm. so that's why I like to celebrate those things yeah. and and tell people like, hey, this is why we do the things that we yeah. do. And once again, redeem something that the early Christian church redeemed already and just bring it back to the forefront. So like Christmas, love to celebrate Christmas in all of its facets, but I do like to talk about, uh, instead of saying, oh, well, Santa Claus is, is a pagan thing that we should never talk mm-hmm. about and never, you know, why why don't take that that opportunity to... Talk about the origins of those, the people who have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses that we have, including right. Saint, Saint Nicholas, Nicholas. And, and those things, and bringing those things up and redeeming them again, because people are already talking about those things. And so, what a cool thing! Not that I'm going to put up uh, g- ghosts and goblins in my yard, right. yeah. but if people want to have that conversation, i right. be like, yeah, you know why? You know why I don't have to uh, have fear because uh, Jesus has already overcome the world. Why am I not scared of demon possessions? Because the Holy spirit lives within me. Why am I, uh, not afraid of these things. If you feel like there's some oppressive spirit in your house, because I'm, I'm bringing, watch this, watch this, Tim, ready? Yeah, go ahead. I will combat your oppressive spirit with my impressive spirit whoa, living within whoa. me. That's a bar.
0: That's a bar. That's a bar right there. You <laughs> flipped look, it, you reversed it. Can we get a full that 16 was, that? Was that was some Stephen
2: Furtick style. Yeah. Flipping and reversing. Yeah, that just happened. So, you know, I, I think that's for me, that's, I, I want to redeem as much as possible. I know the culture is talking about those things and everyone's kind of, go their own way and listen to the spirit of what he's saying to you. And and so for you, that might be, we don't participate at all for some of you that might be redeeming it, mm-hmm. uh, for some of you, you know, just what, whatever that looks like for you, for me, my, my personal opinion at this point in time, which might change tomorrow is that I want to redeem yeah. that holiday and really speak of the origins yep. of it and, and point my kids to the beauty of the Christian church in that regard. So celebrate it in that way. But what I'm not celebrating is Stephen King movies or yeah. whatever, yeah. Uh, which I don't really get too worked up about that either. But I, I really want to celebrate what Christ is doing that's and right. what Christ has done mm-hmm. in that's the right. end is, is what we're all about, right? That's, that's the great commission, no matter right. where we fall in these things, is that uh, we do the loving act of sharing Christ's loving act. And, and that's the commission. That's the great, com- great commandment, great commission for us to live out as believers. There we go.
1: That's it. Who is Satan? What power he has over us? We did it, guys. We answered that question in 55 minutes. That was really good. I appreciate you guys for joining in. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you, Youth Director Tim, for your guys' time. Thank you, guys, for listening in to Candid Conversations Part Two. Uh, Next week, we will uh, be coming live to you live from the annual gathering. So you'll get to hear from us while we're up in uh, the Twin Cities, hanging out with other LCMC pastors and uh, workers. And uh, and we'll fill you in on what's going on up there and continue our conversations. Jesus Christ is king and the Satan is a liar. So follow Jesus, ignore Satan, because he's trash. Have a great weekend and we'll see you later.